on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Test, test, test. One, two, three. I believe we are live, Rocky, from Buzzer Billy's here on 8th Street Haymarket here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You are listening to Outside the Box. I'm Cristiano Simonetta, the broadcaster for the team, joined alongside by Stars head coach Rocky Russo. And, hey, we found the patio, Rocky, and we, we've got our first outdoor show here right in downtown. We do. What a, what a cool setup for uh, the ticket tonight and for Outside the Box for us to be able to uh, get down here into the Haymarket area and uh, take our first show outside of the studio. Have you had Buzzard Billies yet in your brief tenure here in Lincoln? I have. I actually made a point to... Uh, have dinner here during one of the uh, the days that we were here for uh, main camp in the uh, in the summertime, and uh, our GM Nick Fabrizio and I ate here. We had a great time, great meal, and certainly a place that I would uh, recommend to all of our fans. Yeah, and we hope if you're just listening and you're like, "Hey, I only live about five minutes from the Haymarket, ten minutes from the Haymarket," come on down. We're here until about nine p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, of course, and boy, so much to talk about, Rocky, and what a weekend the guys had, or the week with the Thursday game, the Saturday game. The crowds in Lincoln, Nebraska are back. You've got 3,000-plus people at the ice box. How fun is that for you and the guys? We'll talk about the winning and the performance on the ice, but the fans here have just been bringing it. Yeah, I mean, we've got a we've got a buzz here in the community, obviously, which was our goal when uh, Mr. Fernandez purchased the the organization. We've talked about how the Lincoln Stars have such a rich tradition of success and things have unfortunately been tough the last couple years between the pandemic and a couple losing seasons. It's been a, a challenge, but our fans are excited. They're coming back in droves. The The atmosphere in, in the box has been unbelievable. It's such a, a great place to play and, and our fans certainly give us that uh, quote-unquote home ice advantage. You're listening to Outside the Box live from Buzzard Billy's on 8th Street right in the downtown Haymarket in Lincoln. Cristiano Simonetta joined alongside by Stars head coach Rocky Russo. Let's start with the Thursday game. I mean, where can we go and begin down these plethora of avenues on that Thursday game against Fargo? It was a game originally set for 10.30 a.m., gets moved to 6.05 p.m., and you guys find yourselves down 2 nothing very early on. It's four to one. It's five to two. It's six to five. And if you would have told me all of those factors that go into it, and you end up with two points, just a big win and a gutsy performance from your guys against Fargo. Huge win, and and you know for us, we if you look at the numbers, we're not good when we're when we're behind. As much as it looks like we are, and we've come back and won some games, and in general, if we don't score first, uh, we have a hard time. But uh, I think that's that's kind of changing as the season rolls on because our guys have such a belief in each other and they know that they're never out of a game. Uh, if we just continue to, to stick to our process and play Stars hockey, we're going to find a way. And I told them that going into the third period. Hey, we're down a couple here, but we're going to find a way to tie this thing up if we just stick to it. And all of a sudden it's 5-4 real quick and, and then it's 5-5 and the building's rocking and you know, you could feel us really starting to take over. And it's not just the fact that you guys were down those deficits. You had a, a weird, uncharacteristic night for both of your goaltenders, really. You have Cameron Whitehead, who allows a goal from the, the far side corner. Caden Iberico comes in. He allows a goal where he passes the puck from behind the net to a member of the Fargo Force for an easy tap-in. And despite that, Caden was able to bounce back, make 9 out of 11 saves. You force overtime with Antonio Fernandez's goal. 
with just under 80 seconds left in regulation. He's up to 11 goals on the year now after that big shot from the right point. We call it his office, and he's been living there all season long. You know what? You, you look at that second period, and, and if I told you that we played really well that period, you'd probably think we were crazy, but uh, we, we controlled the pace of play. We had the... Uh, we had the puck in their end for most of the period and, and just didn't find the back of the net. And, um, you know, we got a late goal that period, which really changed things and, and got us in a better situation. It was uh, 5-2 at one point. We score late in the in the period. Shader gets one to make it 5-3. But I thought we were really good in that period and, and obviously uncharacteristic from both of our goalies. And I've told you this in the last couple interviews we did, like those mm-hmm. two guys have been rock solid for us all year. And, um you know they've they've had a little uh, of a, a bit of adversity between the two of them, and and then obviously Caden with a lights out performance on Saturday. We'll talk about that, but you know both guys have been so good that uh, you know you don't expect it from them. They've they've set the bar so high that uh, if they come back down to earth every once in a while, everyone's shocked. But that's junior hockey, and and quite frankly, that's hockey in general. You watch the best goalies in the world have an off night. And uh, the, the goalies are under a microscope. You have an off night, everybody knows it. If a forward has an off night, maybe we, maybe we shuffle the lines up a little bit. Maybe he doesn't get the same amount of ice time, and the fans don't really notice. But goalie has an off night, and everybody in the building knows right away. So, um, you know, it was great because, uh, obviously, uh, Whitey comes out, Caden goes in. He's able to, uh, to kind of settle it for us even with the the mistake that we made on the breakout behind the net he made some big saves for us and got us a chance to win there in the third you have any questions for rocky or myself a new text line 402-999-4620 that's 402-999-4620 text us call us we want to hear from you guys we're downtown the haymarket on 8th street at buzzard billy's so we're already getting a question from Eric Reese. And this is a good one, actually, because we have plenty to talk about throughout the show. But Eric Reese is a, a billet dad who doesn't often get involved with the calling. He's a, he's a longtime listener and viewer, which we appreciate. Rocky, the question is, could you give us some insights on recruiting? When does recruiting start for next year? I know you already want to think about the next 19 games of the season. Obviously, a Clark Cup championship is the goal in May. But uh, how early do you guys start on trying to form that next year roster? A uh, year ago. <laughs> Billy Puglisi is uh, is our director of scouting and our assistant general manager. Nick Fabrizio, obviously, our general manager. Those two guys are are doing a lot of work. And then we've got a, a, a tremendous regional scouting staff. We've got guys all over the country that are picking uh, picking guys up and and uh, you know writing reports, trying to give us some some feel on on who we need to get Billy out to see, who we need to get Nick out to see, and. Um, you know, the, the way the USHL works is we have a phase one draft and a phase two draft. And so, uh, your phase one draft is, is all of your 16 year olds. Your, your, this year was 2005s. Next year it's 2006 birth years. And then our phase two draft is any eligible junior hockey player. So, you know, our, our roster next year will be a a combination of our returning players. And then, uh, our affiliate list, we, we have uh, X number of players on the affiliate list. We have, uh, 304s or a 303s, uh, a combination of 603s and 04s, and then 1005s. Those guys are our property on, on our USHL affiliate list. And so we'll take some of those guys that will be ready to play for us next year. The ones that aren't will stick on our affiliate list for another year. We'll bring a new crop of guys in, 10 new 06s, and then draft from that Phase 2 list with some guys that have played junior hockey that 
are experienced, that are ready to come in and play. And uh, and that's how the, the, the roster will shape itself next year. And then, obviously, we, we make some additions with some key free agents. This year, you look at Luke Johnson, Lucas Wallen, two free agent guys that, that were able to join us and uh, have had big-time impacts. And, and technically, Antonio Fernandez was a, was a, a free agent addition to our group. And, um, I mean, he's been outstanding. We, we say it week in and week out, he's... He's creating so much offense for us. He's got 11 goals this year. He's got 22 points from the blue line. He's playing on our power play. He's he's playing in all situations, playing with a lot of confidence, and gets rewarded this week with the uh, USHL Defenseman of the Week honor. And you also saw a big contribution from a guy you traded for in the summer, Mason Marcellus from Youngstown, after he was drafted by the Phantoms, comes over to Lincoln in a trade and has a monumental, a just huge breakaway goal in overtime in a game where it's 6-6. If you come out of Thursday's game with a point, you say, hey, we played like poorly, we got down, we still got a point, but this team has time and time again shocked everybody. You get two, it's Marcellus with his third game-winning goal of the season after an awesome pass from Joe LeMay in the D zone. Yeah, and I mean, we get, you know, we tie it up 5-5, five, five, we're feeling good, and then, mm-hmm. you know, another just kind of really summed up the way we played. We turned another puck over coming out of our own end, and it's 6-5, and, you know, I just looked at the guys and said, fine, let's go. Let's just go score another one, and, and uh, we were preparing to get the, the goalie out and get our 6-on-5 unit on the ice, and Tony didn't even get us a chance to do that. He makes a, makes a, a great play down the dot and scores to tie the game, and um, I knew he was feeling pretty good about himself, and Mason's been our one of our go-to guys in overtime. He scored a couple overtime goals for us this year and obviously some shootout goals. So we got him and Joe and Tony on the ice there in the first shift of overtime. And Tony made a nice play with his stick and, and was able to create a loose puck, get it to Joe. And Joe made a big, big, big-time pass to uh, to Mason, who had kind of read the read the play and took off, got a step on the defender and, and uh, scored a beautiful goal to end it for us. And Keaton Peters also, his biggest contribution this season, four points, two goals, two assists for a now 18-year-old kid. He turned 18 today. Um, but for him, his development, you mentioned Antonio Fernandez, an 18-year-old kid. You're getting contributions from guys, whether they're offense, defense, or even Cameron Whitehead, who it's his first year in the USHL. Are you happy with that development, not needing to go too far out to bring in talent when you have it homegrown? I really am. And, and you know, you look at Keaton. We didn't keep him out of training camp. We, he started the year with the, uh, the Janesville Jets in the North American Hockey League. We had a need at center, and uh, we ended up swapping – him and Jack Larrigan and putting Jack in in Janesville and keeping him on our affiliate list in the hopes that he can continue to develop. But Jack was a right winger and and Keaton was a center and and we needed a center at that point. So Keaton has been really valuable to us. He's been he's been playing some some good minutes for us, winning his faceoffs, being defensively responsible, all of those things. And then you know he's chipped in a little bit here or there, but. He gets a four-point night on Saturday, two big goals and two assists, and that line was buzzing with him and, and uh, Standard and Raftery. They had a lot of energy. They were playing a regular shift all night, and, and they had some big production for us. And you move on to a bigger game on Saturday. In terms of the standings, I know a lot of fans and yourself, you're not going to discount Fargo by any means because they've given you a hard time this year. You beat them 7-6 to six on Thursday. You move to Saturday against Sioux City at the Icebox. Just, again, an outstanding crowd, something that we're used to seeing, at least my first year here before the pandemic in 2019-20, and it's just a clinic from you guys defensively. You're locking up Sioux City. You have 15 shots on goal in the first period, but you don't come out of that first period with a lead, and I asked you this after the game, but how 
tough is it to look at that locker room and it's 0-0 and the guys are focused on results, 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 but it's zeros after the first 20? Well, the good part is they're not focused on results. We, we have preached all year long that we focus on our process. And if we do things the right way, we're going to get the results that we want. And um, there was a really famous football coach back in the day uh, by the name of Bill Walsh, who coached for the San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers when I was a young kid growing up. And he used to talk all the time about, about just having a good process and kind of letting the scoreboard take care of itself. And so we've talked to our guys about having good habits and trusting our process and buying into doing things the right way. And, and if you don't get immediate answers to to those questions if you're not getting the results you want you you can't steer away or veer away from it and and I felt like our energy was great in the locker room at the end of the first period we had a couple power plays we were creating a lot of offense we're we're still 0-0 but we're feeling really good about the way we were playing and, and the guys were excited about it and Lucas Wallen opens the scoring in the first couple of minutes in the second period on the power play then it's Aiden Thompson just an outstanding individual effort on a shorthanded bit he pokes the puck from Owen McLaughlin at the well, your blue line goes end to end, just that forehand top shelf over the left hand of Alex Tracy, and that sends the ice box ablaze because that was a moment where Sioux City has an opportunity to tie the game one one. You're going down the other ice, and Thomas makes it two nothing. Yeah, I mean our our special teams. Their objective is to bring momentum back to our bench, especially our power play. If we don't score, we've got to at the bare minimum bring that momentum back to our bench, but. You know, guys like Thompson Wall, and they've been a, a penalty kill pair together for most of the year, and they're such an offensive threat when they're killing penalties because any little bit of space, they're going to take it and they're going to get going. And, um, you know, they, they've created for us throughout the year, scored some big shorthanded goals, and Tom's put some pressure on Owen McLaughlin, who's obviously a, a gifted hockey player, and a Philadelphia Flyers draft pick, a North Dakota commit. Like, you want to talk about cream of the crop, but... Tom's is right there with him, and Tom's took it from him. And and uh, you know McLaughlin's probably going to catch most guys in the league if if he gets uh, stripped and has to go the other direction. But he wasn't catching Thompson in that one, and and Tom's buries it and gives us a two goal lead. And when that goal goes in, do you feel that energy on the bench? Aside from hockey talk and stuff like that, what is that like when you hear this crowd in Lincoln just swarm the opposition with chants? I even stop the broadcast sometimes and just let the crowd breathe and, and, and uh, you know, um, give their opinion on the opposition's netminder, which is one of my favorite chants in the league. But the fact that you're in this building now, you're riding all this momentum, it's got to be a factor why you guys have 14-plus home wins on the year. Yeah, I mean, the, the energy in our building is is electric. The the You know, you can feel it. Our fans feel when we tip the ice in our direction. They, they really give us a lot of energy when we have a good shift. And, and obviously... They erupt when we score a goal, and, and that was a big one for us. And you could feel our bench really confident about the way things were going. And, um, you know, we wanted to, to put the pedal down in that moment and try to try to turn a two-goal lead into a three-goal lead. And then Keaton Peters, or excuse me, Christian Kosas comes up with a big goal. We'll talk about the trade that sent Christian Kosas over to Des Moines. And then it's in the third period where Dalton Norris scores the empty netter, and it comes on the four-check. <laughs> Could you have scripted that? I mean, this is a guy that has scored now 17 goals, 16 of them basically from the right circle. He ends up with a, a two-foot birdie putt. He does, and, and, you know, that was obviously a huge moment for us. But, you know, we we get the goal from Kosas there. It's a great play by Dalton huge. over to Tony. And uh, we got Keaton coming off the ice on a change and kind of creating a little bit of havoc at the top of the zone. And uh, Tony gets a great shot. 
good deflection by Kosas, 3 nothing. But then we had a massive penalty kill where we were down 5-on-4. We take another penalty. Mm-hmm. We have a 5-on-3 power play, or penalty kill for over a minute and a half, I think, and, and we're able to kill that off. That created a, a, an incredible amount of momentum for us. And then Daltz, you know, they get another power play with six or seven minutes left, and they're down by three. And I think that, that uh, it's, it's a pretty good decision to try to make yeah. it six on four and get yourself to a two-goal game. But um, we had a couple looks at the net. I thought we were going to bury one before that. But Daltz gets his first-ever backhand USHL goal. It was a... It was a pretty one there, and uh, if anybody's going to score from below the goal line in the offensive zone, it's probably not Daltz. So I would suspect that's probably his first and last backhand below the goal line goal, but uh, pretty cool for him to be able to ice it that way. I still like his first career USHL goal. It came the last uh, game of the 2019-20 season. He threw it from the near side wing off of a defenseman and went in. So how about that for your first goal in the USHL? They don't ask how, no. just how many. And, and you know, hey, it's it's in the back of the net, and you know, he's had a lot of pretty ones. So I think he'll take the dirty ones and the empty netters on top of the ones that uh, that he's uh, wired into the net short side. Well, the number is up to 17 for Dalton Norris, and the number for Caden Imbarico's saves on Saturday was 29, and he registers his first shutout as a member of the Stars, his second career shutout. He earns goaltender of the week honors, Antonio Fernandez wins D of the week. But how about Caden's play on Saturday? Just shutting down a team. Your defense and your forwards had a lot to do with it, playing responsible in their own end outwards but Caden made some big time saves really pleased with with our whole team performance there and uh, I had a conversation with with Cameron and Caden on Friday morning and and just kind of challenged them and said hey guys like you are the ones that set the bar where it's at you need to to keep it up there and and uh, I think Caden was a little frustrated with himself because he has such high expectations and to see him respond the way he did to play calm hockey in our in our net all night our defensive zone was sound. Our transition defense was sound. We didn't give many grade-A chances away, but when we did, Caden was there to shut the door. And uh, our guys played with a lot of confidence in front of him because they knew that he was feeling it on Saturday night. So who gets the, is it the hard hat, or what was that like in the locker room postgame on Saturday? Because there were plenty of guys that were worthy of that effort. We have a fire helmet. Um, I My dad was a fireman, and, and firemen are, are in my in my blood all through my uh, my dad's side of the family, and so uh, I talk uh, about the fire helmet as the the guy that's knocking down the door, the guy that's running into the fire when everybody else is running out. And uh, to me, firemen are heroes, and and they 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 just they do things that most folks aren't willing to do. And and so that's the the message with our our player of the game every night is who's gonna who's gonna lead the charge. And uh, Caden got the helmet on on Saturday night. It was well deserved. Uh, Keaton had it from Thursday night, and and whoever had it the night before gets the opportunity to uh, to hand it to the next guy, which is pretty cool. And Keaton, I think, made a great choice by giving it to uh, to Caden. Was there ever a moment throughout the year, or maybe just in your coaching career, where there was something like that and you didn't like the guy they gave it to, or was like, really, you're going to give it to that guy? No, you know why? Because I trust the guys to make the decision they feel comfortable with, and they know more about the ins and outs of what's going on in the room. And uh, sometimes they give that helmet to somebody that maybe didn't show up on the score sheet, uh, maybe has been really working hard and, and finally got to break through and, and do something that, that was uh, made them feel good. And, and our guys have a pretty good feel of, hey, we need to pick each other up if we're down. We need to recognize a, a great effort from one of our teammates when it's there. And 
Um, they were so excited to give it to Keaton on, on Thursday, which I thought was awesome. And I think in that situation, Caden was kind of a no-brainer choice. And we're not trying to blow by everything that's happened over the last six days, but so many has uh, already happened on Monday to start the week. Now Tuesday you have Caden and Barrico and Tony being named forward, or rather defenseman and goaltender of the week. And you also make a big trade right before the deadline, which was last night at 6 p.m. You bring in Killian Keeker Olsen, 15 goals, 13 assists on the year from the Des Moines Buccaneers. You send Christian Kosas over to Des Moines, and he's been a guy, and I know you've talked about this a lot, the 17-year-old kid Kosas, who was drafted with the 26th overall pick in the Phase 2 draft a couple of years ago. The future of this team, in a way, and he was proven his worth over the last couple of weeks, a reason why Des Moines perhaps wanted to go after him? Yeah, you know what? It's it's always difficult when we trade a player out. Um, Christian has really shown some growth throughout the year. He's a young kid, 17-year-old kid, trying to figure out how to be a full-time junior hockey player while still being a a full-time high school student and and that's a that's a challenge that sometimes people overlook but uh, Christian was really starting to figure it out his uh, his defensive side of his game has been a, a, a the best growth of, of his uh, hockey so far this year he's become a penalty killer and a great penalty killer somebody that probably never killed penalties his whole life has uh, has become a very reliable one and um, you have to give a good player up to get a good player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we felt like getting Killian Keeker Olsen, a 20-year-old, three-year junior hockey vet that I have experience with. I coached him in, in Sochi, Russia a couple summers ago at the World Junior Challenge. Um, he's really good on the dot. He's responsible. He's heavy. He scores. He kills penalties. He brings a veteran presence. He brings leadership. He's an alternate captain in Des Moines. Um, you're going to have to give up a really good player to get a player of that caliber back. And so... You know, we had to make a tough choice, and, and we feel like we have a group that can win now. And uh, and we felt like we can find a way between our affiliate list and, and our draft this year to bring in another player of Christian's caliber and, and reload next year. I know whenever we played Des Moines, that kid with the blonde hair coming out the back of his helmet, he's going to the corners, he's giving cross-checks, he's getting cross-checks from Joe LeMay, which I know he had fun with when he heard the news that Keeker was headed towards us. But... How would you describe now number 29 on this team, his play, and what he brings to the Lincoln Stars? He's very skilled. He's a good skater. He's very smart. His hockey IQ is is special, and, and that's what attracted to me to him as far as being a, 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 a possible trade option is we, we feel like we've got a good group, a smart group, and, and I wanted somebody that was going to be able to integrate into the locker room right away, integrate into our, into our on-ice play right away, and, and have a hunger to want to win and, and add to what this group already has. And, and Killian kind of fit that mold all the way around. And, you know, obviously we have a great culture right now, so bringing a player in that I had experience with, I was able to say, hey, I've, I've coached this kid. I know him. I've spent... I spent pretty close to a month with him, you know, day and night, uh, traveling to Moscow and to Sochi and, um, you know, playing in that tournament. It was it was such a unique experience that I got to know all the players really, really well. And so I was comfortable bringing him in and introducing him into our locker room with 19 games left, knowing that he was going to be a good fit for our group. And did the thought of your mind, into your mind come where it's, I don't want to bring in too many guys because you've won four in a row, points in your last five, 7-1-0-2 in your last 10, and you bring in Keeker Olsen, who is a huge boost offensively. But I know there were some conversations about let's bring these guys in if we can, but at the end of the day, you only bring in one. You know, we, we talked about there was a select group of players that we were, we were interested in. And 
Uh, a couple of those guys got traded a little bit earlier, uh, a week or so ago. They were guys that were, were in consideration, but we were also really careful. Um, we didn't want to give away our first-round draft pick. Um, we wanted to make sure that we still had the assets we needed to continue to build and grow this organization long-term, but we didn't want to short-sight the, the, the group that we have now. And if we felt like, hey, we could get a player that can help us win, then, then we're going to do it. And, and that's going to cost us a little bit. Ultimately, it costs us Christian Kosas, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, th- there was conversation about two guys. There was, but we didn't feel like we needed D. Uh, we've got some, some reinforcements coming with some affiliate players. Uh, Dashiell Oliver will be returning at the end of his season. Tanner Ludke will be returning at the end of his season. That's two really good forwards with a lot of U- USHL experience. Um, Brennan Ali will be coming in for a stretch for us. And then we've got a young guy named Carter Davis, who's an 05 defenseman who's going to join us. And, you know, Carter might not play very little or at all while he's here unless we need him. But the the experience of dealing with the playoff run, getting used to practicing at this level, being a, a pro at the, at the junior level and understanding what it takes to succeed here is going to help him so much when it comes to, to trying to make this team next year. And so um, we, were, we were really excited about those guys that were able to add from our affiliate list, and, and so we didn't think we needed to make any other major changes to the roster. We love the group. We love the culture. Everybody in that room seems to really like and respect each other, and, and so we didn't want to tinker too much. You are listening to Outside the Box on 93.7 The Ticket. We're at Buzzard Billy's on 8th Street. You want to give us a text if you don't want to come down, 402-999-4620. We'll be back in segment number two in just a little bit with Joe LeMay and Dalton Norris, but really quick, Rocky, you just mentioned the words and the phrase playoff run is that fun this this team has not seen the playoffs since 2017-18 they were projected to go in 2019-20 but this team with 19 games left is poised yeah no I mean I I've only missed the playoffs one time in my career and it was during a rebuild year in in my first year back in Amarillo as the head coach and um you know and I I had every intention on being in the playoffs I've said that from day one I said that when I took the job and and uh my expectation was to compete for a Clark Cup and uh, I think we've put ourselves in position now with 19 games left to do, uh, left to go, where where we have a chance to compete for a Clark Cup. And you know we've got a we've got a hungry uh, veteran group, Joel May and Dalton Norris, two guys that uh, you're going to talk to here in the the second half of the show. Are um, they're great leaders? They're 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 great players, and they want to win a, a championship for for the group, for the organization, for for our fans, for the community, for our billets. Uh, and they're going to lay it out there and do everything they can to try to find a way to, to bring that cup back to Lincoln. And before we do go to break, we'll talk just a little bit, because we always like to bring on guests and not so much hit them over the head with X's and O's, get to know these guys a little bit more. So this rest of this segment will be devoted to the three-game weekend upcoming. Waterloo on Friday, which tickets are available at LincolnStars.com. Friday night, 7.05 against the Waterloo Blackhawks. And it's a two-game big series against the Tri-City Storm, both on the road at Vero Center. How do you keep these guys composed and, and focused on the task at hand, not wanting to look past Waterloo because Tri-City obviously is that foe that you've been trying to get at all year? Uh, I'm not even thinking about who we play on Saturday and Sunday, quite frankly. Um, my only focus right now is preparation for Waterloo, and uh, we have a tremendous amount of respect for that group. They're a good team. Uh, they've given us the tough games every time we've played them. Uh, we've only played them, I think, three times this year, and we're 2-1 we're and one against them. So uh, we know that they're going to be a big challenge. Those points count just as much as the points on Saturday and Sunday. So 
our guys probably aren't going to hear the TC words spoken at all until Saturday morning because our focus right now is the Waterloo Blackhawks. The team who shall not be named. We'll be back with segment number two. Dalton Norris and Joe LeMay join the program. You are listening to Outside the Box on 93.7 The Ticket.